This is the Practicing XP podcast. Hi, I'm Akshay. And I'm Chirag. We've been practicing extreme programming for 10 years each in ThoughtWorks. In this podcast, we'll share our perspectives, our opinions and experiences while practicing XP. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Practicing XP. Uh, we are continuing our series on remote work. We looked at some initial reflections of uh, the impact of remote work last time, and uh, we want to deep dive into specific practices. Uh, so this week we are going to record one episode every day on different XP practices and the advantages of remote work on those practices and some of the challenges and tips. um that we have uh, and like last time we are uh, taking help from a lot of our colleagues in thoughtworks uh, so we have uh, pramida aditya sumit uh, and vishal with us today and uh, we are going to talk about retrospectives so let's get started thanks so um Uh, I wanted to start the conversation by asking everyone how have the last few weeks been uh, for you all? Uh, how many retrospectives have you had, and have they been easier, harder, funner, or less less fun? I don't know if I'd like to correlate the two. Uh, the last few weeks have been fantastic uh, to a certain extent uh, for for a very odd reason that. now everyone works the way i usually work <laughs> i work from home mostly and everyone now seems to be working from home and will probably do so for at least a few more weeks uh and interestingly enough i haven't had a retrospective in all of these weeks i'm not trying to say the week the lack of a retrospective has made it more exciting uh but it's but interestingly enough not been in a retrospective in recent weeks but that's also because i'm not on a delivery team at this point Hmm. Um I have worked on um we've done about two retros so far for uh, the party that we are working on. Um the perspective in particular have been uh, easier uh they've been faster actually uh than the one that we generally do uh, physically uh face to face uh for multiple reasons uh but yeah I mean it's just from context of how it's how it has how it has been i think that i mean uh, certain things that we generally do for face to face retros or in person retros uh, certain activities that we do uh, they are i mean i feel that they are more uh, uh, much better and it just helps uh, you can do so much when you are in person uh, it there are certain limitations because of certain times you can only you are restricted to certain tools only or sometimes uh, you are also like you know because everyone just going to type and you know what is going to be so you are restricted to certain activities but overall as an if you only if you only look from an outcome point of view i think uh, it has been fairly good and fast last okay. two so uh, okay so aditya i'm hearing that you uh, attended a couple or conducted a couple of retrospectives on your team and broadly they seem to have worked well for you Uh, Sumit, you mentioned that in the recent few weeks you've not been part of retrospectives, uh, retrospective, but you have been working remotely yourself, and your team has been working working remotely for a while. Uh, so you have experiences of doing retrospectives where uh, multiple team members are remote, and so in this conversation, to bring in those perspectives. Okay, Pramida, do you want to share your experience? How has it been over the last few weeks? Three weeks for you. Last few weeks is a bit of ups and downs for me. So work from home is nothing new actually. I worked for almost uh, six months. I worked for home when I was carrying you know, but uh, now it's entirely different. Uh, I still being in isolation and uh, uh, no help and all. It's uh, we had our own ups and downs. Uh, regarding retros i was not able to i was not part of any of the retros uh, uh, but i was able to talk to few people few of the teams who are actually doing uh, remote retros uh, to find out if they are facing any issues or what are the challenges they are facing uh, so 
it's good people are still connecting and communicating and doing uh, retros they have their own challenges but people came up with some innovative ways uh, to come out of those things also which is really good actually all right so you're going to try and channelize what you've heard from other teams on this topic and bring that somewhere into this conversation yeah. okay that's really lovely vishal uh, what do you have to report about retros in recent times I think uh, in the recent times, the the these weeks have been amazing. But I think the definition of amazing will be different to what Sumit has. <laughs> For me, it's 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 been that people have just like they have made it through. And uh, even though it it has been difficult for many people, I mean, I know there are a few people who are not prepared to work from home. they don't have the right equipment and the right setup to work from home and yet in spite of all of that they they are still uh making it through that's that's been amazing hmm. i did have the opportunity to conduct two retrospectives in the past couple of weeks so one of them was uh, the post project retro that we did and it was pretty big so it it involved everyone who had been a part of this uh, this account so close to 30 people i guess a little more than 30 and the other one was a regular retrospective that uh, that was done for one of the teams uh, i guess they had not done it for quite some time so it did go for a little longer so again slightly different than what other they mentioned uh, but that was just because the time period for the retrospective uh, was long uh, both, both of these were looking at long term uh, long term uh, yeah Yeah. The post project, yeah, that was a long term. The other one, just slightly longer than a regular iteration. I would say okay. instead of one iteration or two iterations, it was like a month and a half. Okay. Uh, so slightly longer period. And uh, it it was it was even even I was doubtful if I'll be able to do it uh, as in facilitated as well uh, doing it uh, remotely. however it's not very different because we have done this before where clients have been remote and we have been in a room and the distribution has has been there yeah and the difference this time was that everyone was remote and that yeah. coupled with uh, the technology around it and the facilitation around it it was it was different i wouldn't call it good or bad or interesting or not but it was just different and i think that different itself is worth addressing yeah yeah that's where i want to start um so thanks for bringing that up vishal uh, but as we move further i want to quickly do a, a a call out for the diversity of roles in this conversation uh, can all of you all just quickly uh, call out what roles uh, have you primarily been playing in the recent times uh, so that we have a hang of uh, of the points of view the perspective that you will bring into this conversation uh, aditya do you want to start so uh, i am playing the ba role for my team okay sumit my most recent role was product manager vishal uh, the current one is project manager samida i'm currently playing uh, otp role for uh, hyderabad office so you are a technologist um so i met uh, i played various roles of a tech lead tech principal and initially i started my career as an application developer right so i have a similar background technology and then project management and akshay brings in um, background of uh, business analysis as well as project management so that's the, those are the kinds of paths uh, this uh, people in this conversation have uh, born um so let's start with what you were uh, talking about uh, vishal so uh, a lot of us everybody in this conversation has been on teams uh, for a long time that have some element of distribution uh, whether it is two locations three locations maybe uh, one or two time zones like that's common that's been common in our experience uh, over these years so what exactly does change um, and specifically when it comes to the practices of uh, practice of retrospectives what exactly does change in this current situation where uh, there are if there are 10 team members then we are talking of 10 locations that they are working from or there are 15 then we are talking of 15 locations what exactly 
uh, changes when locations get multiplied so much. Uh, and what makes it what makes it difficult for the in the context of retrospectives? What puzzles does it uh, lay in front of you? We can we probably focus on the things that absolutely don't change because I feel like if you focus let's start on goals, yeah, it becomes a lot there. easier. Sure, let's start there. Yeah, actually, I would I would have preferred that. So things that don't change. Yeah. Uh, I think the one that doesn't change is. Uh, since whether you have two locations or whether you have 30 locations based on the number of participants, the rule sets behind, the principles behind the retrospective does not change. Let's say if mm -hmm. I'm starting a retrospective and the very first thing that we are doing or the two things that we would do is, let's say, a health check and a prime directive. Yeah. Those things, doesn't, they don't change. They are the underlying principle for having your... Uh, your retrospectives in place. Just to make it clear that it is still a very respectful environment. We are genuinely working towards making an improvement, making a difference in the team, with the processes, with the project. And just that everyone is heard. And I think these two things, they absolutely don't change. Uh, right. What did change for me in these two things, and which was like very obvious for me, was how do you actually navigate through the conversation? So let's say if you're sitting in a room uh, where you have a few people who you can see face to face, and then there are a few people in another room, another location, and you can see them face to face. It's still easier to look at these two locations and kind of navigate conversations. That became slightly difficult, uh, may not be difficult, but we had to put some rules around it. So there might be reasons why someone has switched off their camera because they have bandwidth issues or there are people because your screen or Zoom will have limitations. Since we had like 30 people, there were two screens that you have to mm. run. You won't be looking at everyone at the same time. So just certain rules around, hey, raise your hands, uh, make sure that the conversation is flowing between a few people. That became a necessity. So there were some rules that have to be placed. Uh, interruptions were something that you had to avoid. Uh, and I think that that was how it, it became slightly different. Uh, site talks reduced, which was good. So uh, with respect to safety check, let's talk about safety check uh, first. So you, you're saying that the importance of safety check doesn't change whether people are in one location or many locations. And um, you want to know how everybody is feeling. You want to know how the aggregate is feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that you, you, you're saying when, especially in your meeting, which had 30 participants, you, you found that to be a little difficult because you can't now read body language. They're not in the same room. Uh, and even with video, there could be, even with, when, when most people have video on, it's, it's possible that you're not able to look at everybody's video on the screen. Um, so let's talk about that. Like how have others tackled it? Have others faced that challenge? How have how have you tend to, to, to address it? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of things, right? Uh, I'll also add a few more things to the things that won't change, right? Uh, and I think mm -hmm. this is important uh, because if you focus on this, then uh, it doesn't matter whether it's distributed or physical, right? The, the other thing that doesn't change is good facilitation. Um, and I was mm -hmm. talking to my colleague, uh, you know, all of us know her, Sneha. She says mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether it, a meeting is distributed or physical. It just is that bad facilitation shows up more easily in distributed meetings. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you plan? How do you ensure participation? How do you harvest ideas? How do you ensure that everyone's on a level playing field? Uh, right. Level playing field is absolutely, absolutely crucial for um, uh, any kind of distributed meeting. Right? Uh, and then uh, there are a couple of other things, right, that don't change. How do you follow up on actions so that people don't lose faith in the practice of retros? Same whether you do distributed or whether you do physical. And then uh, little things that actually make retros feel good, right? Like ending on a high. Uh, because retro oftentimes focuses on all the things that you want to do better. And so you could feel at the end of the retro that, oh my, this, this whole project really feels painful. Uh, yeah. So that one thing that you have should be doing, which is acknowledging all of the good stuff that's come out, 
that should also happen in a distributed retro. So some of these things don't change, right? Um, hmm. Now, uh, I think your original question was, uh, how do you how do you manage navigating through conversations? So is that the original question? Yeah, um, yeah. If you step back, what I'm curious about, Sumit, is uh, distributed retrospectives distributed between two, three locations. We know how to deal with them, and we shared about it within within our groups quite often. Uh, but when we're talking of this level of radical distribution, where everybody is at is at uh, one is that is working from their home. Uh, what changes further? What uh, do you, as a facilitator, as a, as a participant, as a team member, need to keep in mind to, right. to make it you know effective? Actually, so I found that the the situation where there are two people who are distributed and the whole team is in the room tends to be far more difficult to manage than when everyone is distributed. Because when everyone is distributed, everyone's on a level playing field by default. Whereas when two people are distributed and like 10 people are in the room, usually uh, we make the two people who are distributed almost like second class citizens. So we keep talking amongst ourselves, we keep doing something on the board and the two people who are distributed somehow have to follow on, right? Yeah. So yeah. to me, it actually becomes significantly easier if everyone is distributed. But yes, what Vishal mentioned uh, is something to be mindful of, right? That you can't see body language. So, so for example, then how do you create an opportunity for everyone to have a voice? So certain things that we do, right? For example, making talking points visible. Like if somebody says something, the importance of scribing it becomes significantly more important in our distributed director. So put up a sticky with a point. Then similarly, instituting rules around non-verbal feedback. Like for example, on Zoom, you can do a, a raise hand, right? So as a facilitator, if you set that ground rule right at the beginning, then you know that there are five people who've got their hands raised and you can go one by one, one by one and add their points uh, on the board with stickers, right? Uh, and you're able to get everyone to have a voice. Uh, so, so things like that become easier. Uh, if, if you're keeping in mind the fact that you're not going to be able to see that somebody's actually been raising their hand for the last 20 minutes, then what is the mechanism mm. you institute in order to uh, get that in place? And in fact, nobody can keep their hand raised for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. But it's always easy to keep the Zoom button pressed and let the uh, raise hand button be there. Uh, and so to a certain extent, some of these technologies make it a little easier as well for you. Yeah, I've also uh, seen people in remote um, facilitation, especially when you're facilitating remote meetings, it's useful to pair um, uh, in the facilitator role with one of the uh, pair explicitly uh, focused on these kinds of non-verbal communications uh, uh, using, using the tools that we're using. Uh, so that even if I, uh, as, as a facilitator, I'm tuning into video and audio, uh, somebody else can tune in to the chat messages and status indicators like his hands. Yeah, on the same yeah line, and I know. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, So on the same lines, right? The facilitation uh, it becomes difficult because uh, you also need to keep track of who is not talking. Now and also you need to keep track of time time checking. Right? These things become easier when you're doing actually everybody in the same room because someone else may say that uh, okay you're not talking from longer. But whereas uh, while you're doing remote, it becomes difficult actually. And uh, the, while the value of how, uh, value of doing safety checks and all may not change, how you do safety checks and all may change. Usually people say, uh, everybody close your eyes and do the safety check, or we write on stickers, right? But when you're doing remote, you need to adopt something new, new, new techniques actually. Some things like yeah. uh, everybody personally ping the facilitator or add cards of one, two, three, four, five, and people just vote for the cards. So these, kind of things may change yeah so what what have people used to uh to um so with safety checks there are two things that are important right one uh it, it's ideal if it's anonymous that way everybody can express uh, how they're feeling without feeling judged about uh, about their level of safety um, and two, you want it to be still quick enough you want it to still happen within five seven minutes uh, because otherwise it takes a lot it can, uh, yeah, it, it needs to be a quick activity. So 
uh, Sumit was sharing um, that anonymous polls on 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 Zoom could be an option. Uh, what what else have you used, Sumit? What else have you used to make safety checks work? Yeah, Google and because Zoom anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Google Forms and Zoom polls. Sorry, okay. our. Or one thing was people added uh, just like this uh, retro cards points are there, right? They added cards for each of the points, one, two, three, four, five, and asked uh, participants to vote for it. So, as so they vote on a, it. yeah. Okay. So vote, vote on, on a jam board or vote on, mm -hmm. a, on a mural board uh, based, yeah. on, based on the issue with uh, Vishal's raising his hand. Uh, just one thing the issue with voting on a um, Jamboard for, in particular, I don't know uh, it, if Mural has a has an anonymous voting. I don't remember. Is that you can actually see who's putting that uh, sticker, and and that takes away the anonymity a little bit. Hmm. What so were you saying, Vishal? One thing that uh, that has worked for me, and even with the retrospective that we did with the large group, right, thirty people. The problem is that even if I would have put up an anonymous poll. And let's say that because it's a big number and you get the percentage, which is a little bit you know, skewed up because you have less people versus more people, it's difficult to actually take any action beyond that. So mm -hmm. if let's say the health check is very close to everyone saying, yeah, we are safe versus everyone, many people are saying that we are not safe. What is your next action? So one thing that did work for me in the past, and I think that's very important where uh, Sumit, uh, Sumit said that good facilitation, that's, that's something that needs to come. If somehow you can influence and make sure that the people trust you as a facilitator, um, just somehow make people comfortable before you start and say, hey, if, you, if anyone feels uncomfortable, just send me a private message and we'll see what to do about it. And even though that is not like a poll or that's not something that's visible to everyone, but if someone is genuinely uncomfortable and if you have done enough to make them feel safe so that they can at least open up to you as a facilitator, then they do. And even if that's somehow managed, and I'm not saying that will, will be managed by everyone who's participating, but if that's managed with most number of people, then you may still be able to do it with a large group. Uh, so yeah, I would still go with polls if it's a smaller group, but as the group size increases, uh, the poll also starts losing if it's effectiveness. Yeah, and that's a really important point. I know Akshay wrote in no side conversations, but uh, some of these things, right, are incredibly liberating in an online environment. The fact that people can have a conversation with you directly, and it can be a side conversation, and that side conversation is actually okay because it can make your conversation significant, your entire workshop your entire meeting significantly more productive and even on that topic of side conversations right uh letting the letting the chat the the group chat like which we have going right now uh go off the hook uh if people want to have a back channel which they are talking about let them have it i mean uh, it doesn't disrupt the meeting in fact you might mm -hmm. actually get some talking points from there some discussion points there are certain people who may not want to verbalize something that they are saying, but they may want to type it in in the flow. Uh, mm. And as a facilitator pair, you can watch what people are saying on the chat and use that. So setting that free, uh, it's actually very liberating to do as a facilitator because it's not disrupting you. Mm. So Pramida, uh, you were sharing on chat that the biggest challenge uh, sometimes is that you don't know the mood of people yeah. because you can't read the emotions uh, on just on video. Um, any um, yeah. any tips from people about how this can be managed? How have you tended to deal with this? Uh, this this um, is a quite a real um, uh, fear, especially if you are sort of entering into a, into a space where you feel like this conversation can, can be quite sensitive. There are polarized opinions about what just happened over the last few, few weeks. Um, so how do you increase the chances that people will bring up the right things without, uh, without you end up causing like, uh, damage to relationships in a remote setting, fully remote setting? 
one one thing usually uh, in retros what people did was start with a mood check actually like how are you feeling today or how are you feeling now kind of mood check so that at least people will become a bit free when they express their emotions and all right uh the other thing which uh, some teams have adopted was uh, while they are ending the retros uh, they are they should always say one good thing about the person adjacent to them whoever is showing adjacent to me i should say at least one good thing about them at least so the people everybody will walk away so from like there. a round of appreciation right that's right yeah so the next yeah. so we, that will a bit change mood uh, but in in general i think everybody should be aware of it because uh, we don't know the body languages and turning on the videos but it may not be always possible uh, because uh, uh, like as vishal was also saying um, the bandwidth may not be sufficient for few people and they may want to go off the video uh, turning on the video is uh, a better approach actually for retros so that you will know the body language and how the person is speaking yeah on my previous uh, gig we uh, actually had this uh, thing of giving thanks at the end of a retro uh, mm -hmm. and so what we we were using real time board miro uh, at that time and so we created this png uh, template for certificates mm -hmm. uh, so it was like like a little certificate png and so we created multiple copies of the png in the miro board which we were using for retros and mm -hmm. you had to actually write down the name of the person and write down what they did which actually helped you and offer them thanks by putting that certificate on the miro board which uh regardless of how heated the conversations because the conversation is not so much about blaming somebody right it's about improvement of the team so as long as you're a, as a facilitator taking care of that aspect uh however passionate the conversations might have got during the retro you're able to bring it to an end of positivity with that where everyone's feeling good for having appreciated somebody or having gotten appreciated by somebody Aditya, uh, you had something to share on this. Actually, I think it's covered. I was gonna say that um, uh, encouraging people to show video is one of the uh, is one of the very good ways to just get some feedback as a facilitator. Uh, but not only that, uh, current situation demands us to uh, actually just you know, current situation is that that it would just help if uh, all of us would be able to see each other. uh sometimes uh, especially during conversations which which do get heated uh or certain uh, points by some people who uh, you know might not be interpreted well uh would be really sometimes it just makes like you know life easier if you can see the person the tonality of the person the expression the facial expression of that person it just changes uh, your mindset as well and Yeah. just understanding them can become easier if you can see them rather than just uh, hearing them on the audio channel yes just having a having a more effective conversation the chances of that being increased correct and sometimes you also end up just smiling right uh, which gets missed out uh, and i do encourage that people just should at the end just should smile if if it's not that serious right just just give a smile or uh, yeah. you know some kind of expression which just keeps the tonality or the mood at a uh you know normal level and not just much heated okay i'm going to pause in the conversation a little bit and give time to akshay to catch up on his notes um and after actually you've done that also if you wanted to share anything about uh any of the points that got discussed if you want us the conversation to move into your slightly different direction uh, let us know you're on mute um okay. um yeah uh, no i think uh, i I'll, i'll keep catching up so that's fine uh, one of the things that i was curious about is to learn from you about what are some of the advantages of um us being remote for specifically for retrospectives so someone was talking about sumit was saying for example that everyone being remote is actually much better than a couple of people being remote and the rest of the team physically together um and yeah so i wanted to understand uh, what are the advantages like um uh, remember uh, chirag that we were talking about 
just physically being in the room limits you know what you can read on the board because the board might be far away and so just simple things like that uh, that you suddenly have the whole board to yourself you can navigate wherever you want to you can read whatever you want to in detail um is an advantage uh, so I'm, i'm wondering if there are other advantages like that in working remotely specifically for retrospectives yeah i mean i think there are a number of things right so for example if there's something actually happening on the screen where everyone's sharing and i want to point to it like for example i want to point to this direction uh like point to this particular thing that you're talking about or stamp mm. uh let's say i want to place a stamp here and draw mm. your attention there or bring a spotlight uh, some of the tools are really sophisticated right Uh, mm. and things that you cannot do like you just cannot do uh, in a face to face scenario because imagine having to walk up to the board each time to do this it's painful you're not going to be able to do that right so technology liberates to a great extent but the other thing is let's let's think about some other uh, issues uh, our offices are getting incredibly crowded so it becomes difficult to book a room uh, you don't need to book a room anymore uh going and finding all of the stationery that you need to run a retro properly because uh, like again the worst part of facilitation is not having the right tools like oh my marker doesn't work oh i don't have enough post its now i'm having to make do with index cards instead of post its which are like significantly more unwieldy uh then you know doing the clerical work afterwards of transcribing stickies into readable notes no more clerical work that room is there for you to refer to go back if there are actions that you need to follow up in your team board that's the only thing that you transcribe back and that's a simple copy paste uh and then certain things like uh, you know the things that we want to do as facilitators like creating a level playing field much easier set the ground rule uh, everyone stays on mute until they have to talk do a non verbal show of hands and then the facilitator takes turns to talk uh, to get everyone to talk right uh you can you can ensure that the most uh loud voice isn't the only one that's speaking which is often times very difficult in a face to face scenario because now for some reason everyone's equal to you so uh facilitating actually some of the more complex patterns like uh, some of you might be familiar with world cafe uh and when i used to do this in person world cafe used to be really difficult because extricating people from a discussion is really difficult uh once they're in but now when you delegate it to let's say zoom and say after 10 minutes the room closes it closes that's it uh you know or you just take five people from the six people discussion and move them to another room and that's done like who did it zoom did it it's the pattern right uh, and so a lot of things become easier so to me uh facilitation as long as you prepare through it and think about it uh well in advance becomes a lot easier on remote in my opinion hmm. on a little bit of a lighter note um, i have face to face facilitations i have struggled with uh, recognizing people's handwriting actually what they want to say <laughs> uh, and that becomes a lot more easier when it's uh so yeah it's that's been a blessing <laughs> tracking action items also is will become easier actually now you don't need to actually uh, like uh, you don't from core you don't need to copy you already have a list of all the action items written digitally and uh, even if there are any heated arguments or anything right you will get, you will, people will get time outside also like uh, they they like once the meeting is ended they'll get their own time to think about it uh, get back to it and then you can again reach out to people uh, like if they had any heated argument or anything and by then they'll be cooled down but uh, whereas if you are in a face to face it may not happen immediately so obviously you should walk out with the same person and you should talk to the same person again so it may take more time but whereas in remote it may become easier actually mm-hmm. about your first point pramida about uh, tracking action items so action items is one of the things that uh, in, in most face to face retrospectives like that is one artifact that teams will digitize because well we want to act on those those items later on and uh, most teams sort of do do that quickly enough and, and well enough because it's a list of well 5 10 items uh, but like uh, sumit also pointed out the uh, think about doing a remote meeting a remote first meeting where where everything everybody is remote 
is that not just the action items they of course will get captured automatically uh, but uh, but everything else will also get captured for you and the team to refer back to later on so what were the key topics uh, that were brought up for discussion what were some of the options we considered before we finalized on these actions all of those things also get captured and um, if i as a facilitator take enough of an effort to now um, yeah like export these and share it back with the team in a meaningful way such that they can make sense out of it they can um, come back to it sometime if needed then that's just uh, extra benefit i mean there's just free uh, free documentation that that you get as compared to as compared to a physical meeting um, Um, Vishal, did you have um, things to add in no, I how think does for remote me, the meetings? biggest advantage is that the the group with as in if we would have done this face to face, we usually, as you said, it's it's not a level playing field. So we will usually not look at the group that has lesser number of people. Whereas in this case, you are looking at everyone. Uh, in the same framework, so I would still say that's that's like the biggest advantage for me. Uh, mm -hmm. The rest of the things, it, it pretty much depends on the tools, and choosing the right tools in this case becomes equally important. If you can choose the right tools, use it in the right way, there will be some preparation that you'll need in order to make sure you can use that in the right way. Uh, it just adds to the how easily you can do all of these things when you do it remotely. Yeah, the point about creating level uh, level playing fields um, is is uh, is a very important one. We started off uh, with it right in the beginning as well as as one thing that does not change. That, that is a principle you want to go after. Uh, but with a remote first meeting where everybody is remote, um, the, there are more chances uh, that it becomes more easier for me as a facilitator to do that. Uh, because um, because nobody is in the room with me. Uh, so one thing that happens, and I've seen that in, in several uh, organizations, uh, client organizations, is that like if, if there is either like a vocal person or a very senior stakeholder in the room, then because of that person's presence, everybody is uh, sort of waiting for that person to respond or uh, and taking cues from what that person is going to say. Uh, before saying what uh, what they feel, and uh, in a remote meeting, you can break those patterns by uh, by instead of um, especially in a retrospective setting, you can break those patterns by not starting with a verbal discussion and delaying the verbal discussion till a point where you've actually collected ideas from from everyone, and then uh, and and then group them, get some themes out of it, and then talk about themes rather than particular people's ideas. Um, so using those kinds of patterns, you could actually make it, uh, design it to be more, uh, more equally accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, that's a, that's a good list of how it can be advantageous. Um, what are what are some of the things that, as a facilitator, you have to care for uh, much more? Uh, much more uh, smartly or much more uh, deliberately when you are facilitating remote, uh, fully remote retrospectives. What would you say? So you said the tools have to be set up right. You have to set up, uh, you pick the right tools and set them up right. You have to put in the prep, which is not different between, uh, uh, regardless of the mode, mode of uh, retrospective, you have to prep well and select the right formats. But what else? Uh, what else will you have to do as a facilitator to get it right? Go for it, Vishal. There were four specific things that I did have to do for both the things. So I actually had to like think out when I before the retrospective as to what I have to do. One thing that I learned from the first one, which went kind of wrong, is mm -hmm. if you're the facilitator, you need to keep the control of the tool with you. So for example, Zoom is something that we we may end up using. Now, the first retro that we did, although I was the facilitator, it was set up by someone else. It was someone else's Zoom room. 
But the moment that happens, you lose out on a lot of things. For example, you can't see who's raised their hand. Hmm. So there's always this host who's constantly telling you, "Hey, this person has raised their hands." Right. So right. keeping the control. That's some friction. Tool, yeah. Yeah. It just makes it difficult. So keeping the control of the tool with you is absolutely essential. Hmm. You should be in a position to, like, do a lot of things, like mute some folks if there's uh, if there's disturbance. You need to. Ask people to turn on their cameras for some reason. You may want to mm-hmm. share this and do certain things. So it's mm-hmm. I have I learned this the hard way after the first retro that hey I should have the control of the Zoom group. Mm. And even things like breakout rooms and stuff, if you want to do, you yeah. never know if the if the host really has all of those settings turned on. So you wouldn't really yeah. know if that can be done. Yeah. So that that now has like it's become a part of the preparation. Hey, the Zoom room will be set up by me, and you have to join here. Uh, the other thing, especially for the big retrospective that was done, with thirty people in the room and limited time, it's difficult to gather points. Because even if you give them one minute to write down the points on a tool, and there are thirty people, you may end up getting thirty points out of which fifteen will be unique. And discussing so many points is difficult. So what we did do for that retrospective is we sent out a Google form beforehand. we said here are the top 3 points that you want to discuss and send it back to us and then we see which are the points which most of you have uh, said and we discuss only those so we are not saying that we are limiting it to this but we are starting off with this so when we actually went for that retrospective with 30 people we had only three focus areas and this was like hey we have one one and a half hours we are going to spend time only on these three points yeah And that's an example that, of using, uh, yeah. I mean, that strikes to me as an example of using the using asynchronous communication. So using yeah. communication time, like two days before the retrospective or a week before the retrospective, to get inputs, so that you can, in a way, start grouping things and start. Uh, it's part of the prep that will yeah. make the actual conversation more effective. Yeah, and um, so that actually becomes a preparation for your facilitation. Hmm. and then the difference between a group of 10 and a group of 30 is you with the focus discussion around three points what was easy for me was to hey we are going to spend 15 minutes on this point and i'm going to go one by one so i can randomly start off by saying okay aditya hmm. what do you think about this point and aditya can actually say that point and what's uh, what happened was that even though we had like an hour or one 40 45 60 90 minutes whatever we had assigned mm-hmm. since i was pointing out to people and they were saying their points everyone got a chance to speak mm-hmm. which may not have happened in a normal retrospective where we would have got points then voted and then asked people to speak because we would have lost time in gathering points plus we would have missed out on certain points because of the vote right. so i think these kind of preparations this become extremely important uh, from a facilitator mm-hmm. standpoint in a normal way i would have just stayed silent and when there's silence someone always talks but in a big group that may be difficult to achieve so i think that that was like extremely important mm-hmm. one of the things yeah. that you asked like what can be done so when people raise their hands right and if you have a group where multiple people have raised hands what has helped me is calling out so if multiple people raise their hands at the same time i could easily say okay aditya you go first and then sumit i'll come to you and chirag i come to you next so at least everyone knows that hey i've seen your hands and i'm going to come to you one by one like these kind of like smaller practices can just improve the facilitation from that why don't you use the raise hand feature in zoom and just you yeah so even raise hands is just to say that hey i've seen your hand just calling it out it's just like okay. the, just to assure you that yes i have seen your hand and this is the sequence in which we are going to go yeah mm. just on that point right which vishal was making about getting some of these uh, uh, retrospective discussion points asynchronously um mm-hmm. i found that it depends on the uh, on the journey of your team So on the same thing that I was talking about initially, it was really difficult to get anything to happen asynchronously because uh, that team had just come out of a history of everyone sitting in the room, right? Uh, and, and so when you're in a room, then it's like 
let's go for a retro, right? Uh, so it's as easy as that. Um, mm. But, uh, and so you don't do that much preparation. Uh, so if you're not used to doing that preparation in advance, then asynchronous points really don't come up. Mm. And so I've seen that it helps to uh, pace yourself with the team and see where they are in their journey uh, when it comes to working asynchronously. Uh, mm. But once teams actually do get to working asynchronously, there are other things that you need to start taking care of. You cannot take for granted that everyone is going to be available at a certain point of time. You take, you make it granted by actually blocking a calendar slot for everyone. Mm. Uh, so those disciplines then change, right? Uh, and I found that it also helps to let people be aware of some of the limitations of the medium. Um, everyone understands it, but just calling it out explicitly that, look, some of us are not going to have our cameras turned on because we don't want it. And that's fine. Um, mm. Even if you have your cameras turned on, I'm only seeing a small thumbnail of you. So uh, mm. with somebody like me who has glasses, I'm going to really have to squint to see whether you're always smiling or whether you're frowning, right? So mm. let's also try to be aware of how we are speaking and what our tone is. Uh, and and let's let's focus on the topic and less on the people because it's not about the people we are trying to make the team better hmm. so retraining some of those principles becomes infinitely more important in a distributed retro in my opinion right you were saying something perfect so one of the things that i've also noticed is especially when um, uh, when certain participants uh, choose not to uh, have their videos on it becomes uh, extremely important for the facilitator to ensure that they are still participants and they're still participating. So uh, what happens in this scenario is you actively, a lot of these people are also sometimes, uh, you know, not someone who would express themselves uh, openly or very well. So they would generally be quiet. So during these times, especially if these kind of people are not turning on their videos, it's important for the facilitator to ensure that they we collect their feedback as well. So actively calling out or actively just asking the group, uh, saying that, hey, uh, I see that the, uh, you know, only certain people have been talking so far. Why not let others who haven't participated? Well? So that facilitator needs to keep that in mind that because the video is off, they can't see the raise hand, they can't really see them. Uh, they haven't participated enough. So those things really become important as a facilitator. If you are in the room face to face, you can see who's, uh, who's participating, who's not. But sometimes we do lose track of people who have not really contributed. Uh, and that, that is something that a facilitator should definitely keep it in mind. Mm -hmm. Aminda, did you want to add? So this asynchronous thing, right? We even tried when we were not remote also. It worked really well. So before two days of retro, we used to publish a retro board and ask people mm -hmm. to add things. And during retro, uh, we used to give five minutes of time and ask people to vote up, vote up uh, on what topics they want to talk. And uh, mm -hmm. once we used to uh, sort them and the topmost which get which were voted, uh, we used to start talking in that order. So based on the time, like based on the number of topics, we used to divide the time. And uh, especially in remote retros, I think it's good to have another timekeeper rather than the facilitator. Though, then the facilitation becomes easier when the other person is actually keeping track of time actually. And uh, once uh, people can decide on, okay, we will talk about only first 10 points, the other points are okay, still okay to skip, or we can have some other time of these sort actually. So then the facilitation really becomes easier in those uh, terms. Yeah, and, and the discussion becomes richer, right, on those uh, top two, three, five topics that, uh, that the team wants to really discuss. You can go um, more, uh, you can go much deeper into them. Vishal also talked about uh, uh, doing something similar where they they prioritize three topics and then they could spend much more time on those three topics. Uh, one thing I have seen uh, teams do is also use, um, once you have a focused list of topics that you've been able to get early enough in the retrospective, either because you've been able to collect some of the inputs beforehand or you've been able to do some uh, brainstorming activity right in the beginning about what people want to talk about is to then use things like breakout rooms to have smaller groups uh, go talk about it in more detail. Like so we talked about the World Cafe format. So do 
those kinds of formats to actually have more deeper conversations happen people can then bring back the summary of it back to the larger team in the retrospective in the main room and then everybody can talk together so just one more point chiral on this uh, breakout room right i have tried this once uh, what i have realized is that uh, sometimes when you allow people or sometimes as facilitator when you break the people into smaller groups uh, there are still generally our retros are about an hour we try not to do it more than that uh, but uh, so sometimes what happens is uh, if you do it in middle of the retro then you either have to wait because there are other topics as well which everyone uh, as a group or as a team uh, had uh, said that okay these are our top three or top five topics are going to otherwise they end up missing out and they have to play catch up and they have to again you know if they want to come to this point then it just becomes uh, difficult so uh, sometimes like you know there it once uh, maybe then run it very well so uh, i don't know but haven't had a great feedback on it so i generally uh, tell people that you know why don't you the two of you or the three of you why don't you catch up separately i'm happy to join the part of it but uh, you know i think let's stop the discussion over here at this point but let's we'll just take a note of it and let's do and show that we catch up on this topic again uh, sometime something like that all right so we are approaching the end of our uh, hour together um i was uh, going to ask uh, you akshay to see if you would be able to uh, do a quick summary of the mind map uh, that you've been creating you can diligently write a lot of notes um, these are good notes so if you want to take a shot at uh, trying to summarize the mind map that will be nice and before that while while you prep for that i want to ask Uh, just everybody on the group to share like if there was uh, if there were uh, people out there who were um, just beginning to work remotely uh, recently and were uh, dreading the fact that they will have to run the next retrospective uh, while they will be doing remote what are some top few things you would like to share with them so first thing which i would like to say is uh, be aware of the mood of people or uh, make sure that because it's a remote uh, uh, make sure uh, that uh, the emotions are uh, well known and the second thing is planning actually these two are on top of my mind you need to plan well so that uh, your retro goes well so look to read how people are feeling uh, during the conversation and plan Uh, how are you going to facilitate the retrospective in advance and do that well okay um i would say choose the right tool explore different tools uh use the tool before uh, actually conducting the retro as a peer mm-hmm. uh if the tool is a little bit complicated then show it to your team as well that this is going to this is what you're going to be using and uh, second i would suggest that uh, don't forget the basic principles of retro that you generally do face to face as vishal uh, had mentioned earlier your prime directives your safety checks just the hygiene uh, that does not change so keep that in mind vishal mm-hmm. for me i think the most important thing would be that take tips but you still have to go and do it so jump in the pool you will learn to swim there's no one right way to do it mm. uh, you'll figure out a way uh, to do it for yourself and maybe that will be a learning for everyone else so don't hold yourself back just because it's remote you still mm. have to go ahead and do it that's nice yeah i mean if everybody is keen to have a good conversation you will come together and have a good conversation that that was your trying to say right yeah yeah you can always so just a few minutes back what what smith was pinging right 1 2 4 all like these are cool techniques that you can definitely use and you will eventually figure out much many many more techniques that that you can just keep on using yeah mm. it's just an opportunity um, to go out and do it. yeah i i'm not aware of what that phrase stands for can quickly share what what uh, so one to four all is uh, is the most basic type of liberating structure it's uh, it's a facilitation technique 
uh, and then there are loads of other liberating structures like mm-hmm. little over 30 mm-hmm. which are like based on that and uh, it's it's a very easy thing so you give one minute for each individual to prepare their points then you pair them up give them two minutes when you make a group of four give them four minutes and you end with five minute where everyone discusses so as long as you have one on a particular topic team, on a particular mm. topic, you decide the theme of discussion and you keep on doing one to four and you just keep on getting a lot of points from every individual and that converges somewhere like techniques like these and you can easily do this with remote tools uh, yeah they're pretty cool Yeah, there's an app for that. Uh, I don't know if you can see, but uh, sorry, you can't see probably. There's an app for it called Liberating Structures. So you can actually uh, figure out a pattern uh, that works for your kind of meeting, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. retro or something else. Really cool. I'll add one tip, mm-hmm. and that tip is around the right tools. And what I would say is. don't choose the fanciest tool uh, i mean one of the things with the whole remote work explosion is that every day there is a ping about 10 of the best nicest fanciest tool uh, but according to me the cost of a tool includes the cost of onboarding your team mm. so a ubiquitous tool which your team knows well they know the workarounds they know how it fails is much better than the fanciest tool with the snazziest features uh, and i would always choose the ubiquitous tool than the fanciest tool hmm. and that's also about uh, that also speaks to just equal access again right if there is different levels of exposure in the team about the fancy tool then might as well work with the simpler tool more common tool more people will be able to work naturally right okay uh, so that's that that that's a nice round of uh, top tips from everyone uh, over to you akshay do you want to try and uh, summarize um, the challenges the advantages and tips i am dreading this part but uh, let me give it a try <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so uh, we started off with the challenges um and i'm only going to cover the top points uh, otherwise yeah. we'll be here for another half hour uh, yeah. but uh, we basically said that distribution has been common like distributed teams have been there for a while uh, and actually partial distribution is much bigger of a problem than everybody being distributed uh, and so in that sense uh, it's actually good that everybody is remote and uh, so we can treat everyone equally and that theme has come up multiple times in different discussions uh so so the level playing field that uh, sumit was talking about is quite an important aspect uh because now everybody has the same opportunities to contribute to a discussion uh and that changes the dynamics quite significantly uh one of the problems uh, challenges that pramila pointed out was around uh judging the mood of the participants and of course using any kind of body language cues to understand whether people are participating speaking whether they are switched off whether they are um, afraid to make their point uh, all of these things that you can spot as a facilitator in a physical setup uh, become very difficult and so there are a few tips that uh, we also discussed to get around that uh, we also uh, enumerated a bunch of things that don't change uh, so vishal for example pointed out that the principles behind the retrospective don't change so safety check prime directive those are good things that you have to do uh, regardless of the format uh, good facilitation like the requirement for good facilitation doesn't change uh, it in fact goes much higher uh, when you're uh, facilitating a remote retros- uh, retrospective or remote any kind of meeting um, and so you have to be conscious as a facilitator what tools you are choosing and and how you are guiding the group through the conversation uh, so that's not going away anywhere uh and then uh following up on actions is an important aspect of retrospectives otherwise people lose faith in the process uh, so that is not going anywhere and uh, it's also important to end on high and we talked about a couple of tips of how to do this um so we'll quickly take a look at the tips um 
what we discussed here uh, was as a facilitator you have to set ground rules uh, to make sure that mm-hmm. the conversation is happening in a structured manner uh, one of the things that we uh, again touched upon multiple times is pairing on facilitation helps quite a bit uh, and which is what we are doing here for example right like you you're driving the discussion and that's what enables me to take all these notes uh, so that's a very important aspect but also the second person can keep an eye on the chat channel uh, they can keep an eye on who's not participating and who do they need to probe a little further um we uh, looked at a few um specific activities that you might do in the retrospectives and the interesting tips over here were how to end a retrospective with a uh, at a high note uh, and that's usually by doing some kind of appreciation um ritual at the end of the retrospective So that's a great way to end. Um, and again, uh, asking people to turn on videos so that you uh, are able to use at least the visual part of body language uh, to understand how they are participating and contributing is important. Uh, again, might not be possible all the time, but it's a good thing to do as a facilitator. And uh, choosing the right tools, setting it up in the right way, um, uh, are all important things. Uh, and then quickly a uh, few advantages so we had a good list of these advantages as well um we said that uh, the tools will allow you on certain parts of the conversation uh, and sumit gave a quick demo um, using the features of zoom uh, which is just not possible in a in a whiteboard kind of a situation uh, there's never any paucity of rooms uh, we've all faced that problem in the office Uh, there's never problems with markers or post-its or whiteboards or do you rub this or do you not uh, erase whatever is already there on the whiteboard there's no transcription required so everything is documented free uh, available uh, as a history or as a, a way to recollect uh, what happened in the retrospective uh, it creates a level playing field like we were saying everybody being remote just gives everyone equal chances um and and that's a very important part um some more difficult facilitation techniques actually become easier uh, sumit was raising this point uh, that the tool will actually do some of the facilitation for you so if you create breakout rooms and uh, and then you set up particular time uh, closing the room will bring the people back so there's no waiting for people to come back uh, you know in a physical setup that you have to do um aditya was also making a point about not having problems recognizing what people have written uh, because everything is typed so that's great Uh, and then action items become easier to manage um people have time to reflect on uh, heated arguments by themselves uh, this was quite a nice point that pramida was making about uh, uh, heated conversations carrying on outside the room in a physical setup uh, but in a remote setup people have time to reflect by themselves um and then there are a few tips as a facilitator uh so put in the prep select the tools set up the tools in the right way uh, keep control of the room as a facilitator or whatever tool you're choosing uh, so if you're choosing zoom you are the one who's setting up the meeting and you're controlling the features of zoom um uh, we talked about uh, asynchronous um methods of gathering inputs and uh, you're saying that some at a certain level of maturity you should actually assume that people will work only asynchronously uh, and less synchronously so that's something to keep in mind um ensure participants uh, without video are also participating uh, so if they have not turned on their video keep an eye out for them and uh, having a second facilitator uh, helps again and then the top tips um be aware of the participants moods prep is extremely important uh, choosing the right tool is important um sumit also mentioned don't choose the fanciest tool a tool that everybody knows how to use is much more useful than uh, the fancy tools with fancy features um basic things don't change like prime directive safety check um vishal also made a really good point about learning by experience so while all of these tips are nice uh you will find your own way of making this work uh, by experience and so you have to dive in there and do what needs to be done uh, and then we learned of this one to four all technique which i didn't know of before 
so i'm definitely going to check out that app and uh, find out more about liberating structures and that's all we had uh, in the about an hour long discussion on retrospectives that's fantastic uh, thanks everyone for your contributions thanks for taking time to come over and talk about your experiences your puzzles your uh, your wins uh, around uh, facilitating and participating in remote retrospectives uh, it's been a wonderful conversation i've learned a lot from this conversation i'm hoping that some of our uh, viewers and listeners will also find this useful uh, it's been fun thanks sumit thanks uh, aditya thank you vishal Thank you, Pramila, for making the time to come here. All right. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.